Hello there and welcome along to Planet Sport Football Africa, a passion for sport production where we look at African football, what's happening around the continent and what African players are doing overseas. I'm Steve Vickers in Harare, Zimbabwe with a special edition of the show as we look back at our highlights of 2017 with some of our best interviews. We spoke to many players and officials during the course of the year, among them FIFA president Gianni Infantino. Well, when it comes to African football, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic from what I've seen. For me, it has been, uh, from the beginning, one of the priorities. And also we spoke to the 1978 African Footballer of the Year, Abdul Razak of Ghana. Then he said, yeah, the golden boy scored the golden goal. So it's in the headline, the newspaper, very big. And the goalkeeper came and congratulated me. And a lot of other highlights coming up on the show as we look back on an exciting year in African football. Well, in February, Cameroon became surprise winners of the Africa Cup of Nations. Going to Gabon with a young team and seven senior players, including Liverpool's Joel Matip, refusing their call-ups to the national team. Well, I was fortunate enough to be there in Gabon and watched Cameroon come from 1-0 down to beat Egypt 2-1 in the final. African football expert Farai Mungazi gave me his views on the competition. I think it's been a fantastic tournament in terms of the standard of football, the matches we've seen. We've uh, witnessed some cracking goals and some uh, moments of brilliance from individual players. So from that uh, point of view, I think uh, it's been a great tournament. The final itself, Egypt v Cameroon absolutely loved it. Uh, three goals. Um, in the final, and it's not every final that you get goals at the Nations Cup. In fact, I think six, the last six finals only produced three goals. Um, so to have three goals in one final is um, a, a, a huge bonus. So thoroughly enjoyed it. Quite a bit was said about uh, there being small crowds at uh, this edition of the tournament. Uh, that's not actually unusual, is it? No, small crowds at the Nations Cup, they're very normal. In fact, I think the only tournament that I remember where crowds were huge for pretty much every single game was Ghana in 2008. Uh, but here the crowds have been very poor, um, especially you know after Gabon got knocked out. But also remember that this tournament was held against the backdrop of political problems where the opposition parties uh, called on people to boycott um, you know the games. And you know people did respond. They didn't go uh, to watch the games. So it's something that CAF will have to address how I don't know because travelling around Africa isn't cheap. It's not as easy as it is um, in Europe. Um, in terms of the pitches, you know, I think the pitches here, especially the pitch for the uh, Group D games in Poja until it was diabolical. I mean, you know, OEM was also bad for the Group C games, but Group D was an absolute mess. You know, the coaches, the players blamed the, the pitches for some of the injuries and you can't dispute that. You know, I, I just hope that... In, in future tournaments, the, you know, the, the pitches are prepared well because if the surface is not good, if the platform is not good, how do players express themselves? You know, and some actually say that it's probably the reason why Egypt looked very jaded in the final because they played most of their games in Pojantir and that pitch was just unbelievably bad. On the crowds, there's a feeling that 2019, where Cameroon host, uh, could be something quite special. It should be something special and I'm looking forward to it. Because Cameroon, a nation's cup at home, the defending champions. And don't forget that Cameroon have not staged a cup of nations. Despite their history in African football, they haven't staged a nation's cup since 1972. And it was a terrible uh, tournament for them. And that's when the president actually decided, 
you are no longer called the lions. We're going to be called the indomitable lions. It was after the disaster of 1972. So, you know, I, I, I imagine that in 2019 they would want to put on a show for the, uh, for the whole world. So, you know, there's a lot riding on 2019 and I'm looking forward to it. That's African football expert Farai Mungazi and Cameroon then are to host the 2019 Africa Cup of Nations as it stands, although it's still not 100% certain, as CAF says Cameroon must prove that they're able to host the expanded 2014 competition. Well, also at the Africa Cup of Nations in Gabon, we saw tiny Guinea-Bissau playing at the tournament for the first time. Huge crowds cheered the team as they departed Bissau to make their way to Gabon, and although they went out at the group stage, Guinea-Bissau did well, drawing with the hosts Gabon in their opening game, then losing 2-1 to Cameroon, having taken the lead through a superb individual goal by Piketty, the goal of the tournament, and then they lost 2-0 to Burkina Faso. Here's their coach, Basiro Kande, with his reflections. And you know, our ambition was to go very far in this competition, but it's not always that your ambition can, you know, can reach the, the expectation. But for the future, we are going out from this competition, you know, with the intention of going and work very hard. That's what we are going to do. And uh, the, the objective is not going to be just, you know, to be a representative in an African Cup of Nations, but all the kind of competitions which are going to be played in Africa. So we are intending, you know, to go work hard in order to be able to meet any challenge in any competition. That's Guinea-Bissau coach Basiro Kande. Well, also at the Africa Cup of Nations, I got to meet a legend of African football, Abdul Razak of Ghana, the 1978 African Footballer of the Year. Razak played for many clubs, including the New York Cosmos, where he played alongside Pele, Germany's Franz Beckenbauer and South Africa's Jomo Sono. Razak won the Nations Cup with the Black Stars in 1978. He's now 61 and he took me back to 1978 and explained how the Black Stars prepared. Well, we hosted in 1978. We said this time we not take it lightly. We have to be prepared very well. So the government came with a plan that to win this cup we need to be the whole year concentrate. No league matches. But even the league matches is going to be played but not on, uh, you know, no, not to be champion here and there. It wasn't that official competitive yes, league. We stay in camp for some few months. The plan for us to go to Brazil. So we went to Brazil for the first time. We have about six weeks. Play with some local friendly matches. At that time, nobody knew us there. So we went back to Brazil again. This time around, the coach who handled us is called Osam Dodo. We have this high-profile match, like Flamingo, Vasco da Gama, Botafogo, all the top teams, we play with them. Maybe we play with the junior teams, we beat them. No, the senior team, we say, no, 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 we don't allow it. We say, wait, we are also a national team of one country. We don't allow a club to beat us. So it's a challenge, you know. We fight, we beat them. Before we left, they knew we are going to win the cup. So we came back and played a local uh, uh, international friendly match. Against Codiva, we scored three. Against Mali, we scored three. Against Benin, we scored five. You know, so the confidence was there. We didn't disappoint. We won the cup. Even though I will not say we won it easily. Because the first match was tough. Against Zambia. They scored first in the opening match. The stadium packed to capacity. Then we try, 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 and then we equalize. 
You know, we have a one center forward, Opoku Afri. Very good, very short, but it's very fast. He scored. When I scored the second goal, then we won the first match. But against Nigeria, it was very, very tough. We won the same group. In Nigeria, we drew 1-1. And the third match was against Upper Volta. At that time, Burkina Faso was Upper Volta. We beat them training. Then came the, the semi-final, because it was a team semi-final against Tunisia. The Tunisia was the, the African representative in the World Cup in 1978 in Argentina. And they have the African best player also, Tariq Diab. Then the game was tough until the 76 minutes or so. I have to conjure my magic. So I saw our defender got the ball in our half. Then I was on the center circle. I moved a little bit forward and I asked him to lob this ball. And I saw the goalkeeper already. He was not ready. He didn't know what I was going to do. So when he, when he played the ball, I just stopped the ball dead, dead. And when the ball dead, he, he took one foot forward. He's there already. He was not in the goal. He was out of his line, or the 18, outside the 18. He didn't go to his goal. He came to me to congratulate me. So, together with this goal, then he said, yeah, the golden boy scored the golden goal. It was in the headline, the newspaper, very big. And the goalkeeper came and congratulated me. That's we won the semi-final. Before meeting the Uganda in the final, and this same uh, Afri, Afri, he scored the two goals. I, I assisted one. So, you know, tournament, I scored two goals. And in the end, I was voted the best player for the tournament. In the same year, I got the African one. In the same year, I got the Ghana one. The same year. So that's my best moment in my career. That's 1978 African Footballer of the Year, Abdul Razak of Ghana. Imagine that uh, these days, a team having a whole year to prepare. It was the case for Ghana back in 1978, but uh, certainly uh, that would not be the case these days. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And we're looking back at the highlights of 2017, some of the best interviews that we've had on the show during the course of the past year. Well, a lot happened at leadership level in 2017, as Gianni Infantino, who was elected FIFA president the previous year, fulfilled his promise of expanding the World Cup, as it's now going to be 48 teams from 2022. Well, Infantino visited a lot of African countries ahead of the Confederation of African Football's elections, and he was here in Zimbabwe. Well, when it comes to African football, I'm very optimistic. I'm very optimistic from what I've seen. For me, it has been, uh, from the beginning, one of the priorities. And uh, uh, we have done and we have taken already some concrete action. First, also, we have a Secretary-General who is coming from Africa, but who has an international experience and experience in uh, development programs in general, which will help, of course, also uh, the football development. We have increased the number of members from Africa in the FIFA Council from four to seven. This is something concrete. This gives more voice and more inclusion to uh, the African membership. We are increasing the number of teams participating in the World Cup uh, from five to, we will see how many, but more than now, and this is also a concrete step. We've increased the investments we are making in African football by three and a half, so from 27 million a year that FIFA was investing in Africa, we are moving now to 94 million a year, almost 100 million a year, every year that we invest in football projects in African football associations, and we start already 
to see the results of these uh, investments with projects such as these projects here in Zimbabwe which are uh, put into place. So I'm really convinced that when I see the passion that there is in this continent for football, if we manage to put some structures and some and channeling a little bit these passions with a little bit of work and goodwill, the results will be uh, fantastic and we are already seeing some of them. That's FIFA President Gianni Infantino. He was here in Zimbabwe to attend a somewhat controversial event where the Zimbabwe FA President Philip Chiangwa claimed he was celebrating his birthday but was clearly mobilising support for a new president of the Confederation of African Football. And the plan succeeded as Issa Hayatu lost the elections after 29 years in power. The Cameroonian lost to Ahmed from Madagascar. And uh, Philip Chiangwa spoke to Farai Mugazi after the elections. So, I mean, look, we are free. We got the game right and here we are, 34. At what stage did you know that you wanted to get, to get rid of Issa Hayatu and what prompted you to I do that? through um, Kosafa. That's when I declared that I was going to fight him. And why, why was that? What did you find in him? No, man, you, you can't work with him. You know. He's too old to hold office. You must know that. So what are you expecting now for the future of the game on the continent? It has changed. And there's going to be, you know, my, my candidate will make some pronouncements. You know, I don't speak for CAF. You know, mine was to put that guy in the calf, right? I don't speak for calf. But certainly you make the necessary pronouncements and that will be done, OK? A very alerted day. Well, quite a victory that was. And changes in African football came swiftly under Ahmad, the new CAF president. The Africa Cup of Nations has been expanded from 16 teams to 24 and moved from the traditional January and February dates to June and July, this starting from the next edition in 2019, despite Cameroon saying it's not fair as they had bid for a 16-team tournament. Well, this is Planet Sport Football Africa, brought to you by Passion for Sport. And you can download our app and listen to the show anytime. To download, go to the Play Store or the Apple iTunes App Store and enter Planet Sport Football Africa. You can listen to the show anytime on the app and access past programs too in our archive. You can also listen on our website, planetsportfootballafrica.com, and our Twitter handle is at planetsportfa. So it's a special edition of the show today as we have our last programme of 2017 and we're looking back at some of the highlights of the year in African football. It was a year where African players continued to make lucrative moves to China, uh, where the Super League is growing all the time. At the end of January, English Premier League club Watford sold Nigeria striker Odion Igalo to Chinese Super League side Changchung Yatai for $25 million. Igalo had helped Watford to win promotion to the Premier League in 2015 and scored 15 top-flight goals in his first season, but only one in the 2016-2017 season, and at the time of his departure to China, he'd gone 15 games without scoring. Oluwashina Okaleji spoke to Igalo on Skype and asked why he chose to go to China this time, having turned down an offer before. Yeah, because uh, last time... uh... I want to play in Premier League because then I feel that I still get more to offer here and all that. Though the money last time was much more than this, even triple. But then I said, no, I told that even the club accept the offer, you know, but I tell the club I'm not going and all that. It was good money for them. Now it's different because now I'm, I don't play, I need to play much. It's kind of frustrating because I want to play every weekend. I'm young, at 27 years old. I want to play every weekend. 
but now and if he play and uh, 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 due to that it's, it's frustrating you know for all which I do last season how many games I've lost and then this season finally I had to play every game so when options come for me the me I won't remain here in England West Brom come Crystal Palace too called me they won't, they won't even come but the, the money uh, what for was asking was too much and now only trying to give, give them what they, they want you know it was a good money for me though too but what can we do life goes on you know so your priority was to stay in England. Yeah. Mm, so it was all about the demand of the club. Yeah, yeah, it was was. So in terms of money now, how much will this change your life in terms of the kind of money you're going to get now compared to what you were getting in England? Uh, yeah, for me, I believe uh, what I have before don't change my life, you know. Mm. But now it's just addition to what I'm getting more again because me, I'm not, I know be, I know they money driven. And if I they mm. money driven for, for don't go two years ago. Mm. I, I, don't get me wrong, I don't say the money is not good, you know. Mm. It's good, but I know they that money driven. But it's going to change a lot in my life, in the life of my family back home too. But During your tough period at Watford, like you mentioned, when um, you weren't getting playing times, you weren't scoring goals as people expected. Were you at any point in time frustrated? Sometimes you you just be thinking what's going on because this is the same person that you made uh, the last season. You know, everything was just working against you and all that. But I just keep my cool. One thing I I do that I don't pull my frustration on anybody. You know, mm. not on the coach, not on my teammates, not on any human. You know. Next day I go work hard and pray things to change. But that's all. If you ask, I never, I, I didn't, I don't make one problem with anybody. Even the coach, I went to the training ground, go meet Mazari, the coach. I shake him, tell him thank you for the little time we spent together. You know, even though he tried to frustrate me, he didn't play me and play me out of position sometimes. But that's my person. That's Odion Igalo, the Nigeria striker, speaking about his move to China. Well, during the course of 2017, we talked about a country that we hadn't focused on before on the show, the Central African Republic, one of Africa's poorest nations and a country recovering from war. Well, despite the challenges in the country, the Central African Republic national team has done very well in the past five years or so as they seek a first ever qualification for the Africa Cup of Nations. In the 2012 Nations Cup qualifiers, the Central African Republic finished second in their qualifying group, just missing out, but they famously beat Algeria 2-0 at home. In the 2013 Nations Cup qualifiers, they beat Egypt in the first knockout round, but then lost on aggregate to Burkina Faso in the second and final qualifying round. They didn't do so well in 2015, but in the 2017 qualifiers, they finished second in their group behind DR Congo, with home wins over the DRC, Angola and Madagascar. In fact, those home games were played in Cameroon, Nigeria and Guinea, as the Central African Republic were not allowed to host matches. Their squad consists largely of players at small clubs in Europe and Asia. And Planet Sport Football Africa's Mamadou Ba had a chance to catch up with Franklin Anzite, a defender with the team who spent most of his career in Asia. Mamadou first asked Anzite about the frustrations of missing out on qualifying for the Nations Cup. It was very difficult, you know, because it's not the first time, it's the third, third time. And uh, the last game, we didn't win to be in the, the final stage for the African Cup. So it was the, the third time already. And now we are here in Morocco to working and, 
and preparing the the June game and the new qualification for the next African Cup. And I really I hope we can play the the next African Cup because after three time we cannot qualify. It was very difficult for all the country, all the fans. And as you know, we got the war in our country. So I hope we can we can qualify for the next one and for the peace and for all those fans. You never qualified for the Nations Cup. But you have the group with Ivory Coast, Guinea and Rwanda. Do you fancy your chances even though you came close to qualifying three times? You know, in uh, in football and generally in Africa, I think they don't have small team now. All the all the team they are same some capacity to win. Mm-hmm. But after there are some team like uh, Ivory Coast, they are on the top on the team in Africa. Mm-hmm. But for the the next qualification, I think really we have chance because the first thing for the first time we will start the first game at home and the last game will be at home too. Mm-hmm. And the game the most difficult will be against Ivory Coast. I think we will play on September in one week two games. Mm. So I think is is not is not more easy than before, mm. but we have more chance to to qualify. How hard is it to prepare for international matches in recent years, given the problems back home in in the CR? Yeah, it's very hard. But the biggest problem is not about the the problem in our country, the war. Because now it's beyond us, and uh, since one year we start to play at home, and it's true when we used to play only away, it was difficult to win the game in Africa. It's not only about the referee, but because sometimes you don't have the fans behind you, and it's very difficult. We play many games, we shoot to play at home, but we play in Cameroon, in Congo. It's very close to our country, but it's very different, so... Now we are we have this chance to play three games at home, try to win some game away because it's the most difficult for us is to win away. So I hope we can do it. Well, that's Central African Republic defender Franklin and Zite. For the 2019 qualifiers, uh, the CAR are in a group with Ivory Coast, Guinea and Rwanda with the top two qualifying. And they made a good start to beating Rwanda in their opening game in June. Well, finally, as we look back at 2017, we spoke to Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah, who's played at two World Cups and is currently based in the USA. Uh, Jonathan is not to be confused with the older John Mensah, another Ghana national team defender. Jonathan has 60 caps for the Black Stars. He's played in France for Evian, also in Russia, and now with the Columbus crew in the USA. Well, Planet Sport Football Africa's Liam Flint asked Mensa for his thoughts on the crazy transfer market in 2017, where the fees for top players like Neymar soared to stratospheric new levels. Um, yeah, you know, it depends on you know the player, the team he's going to, the team he's from, and now you know it's it's a whole lot. You know, you cannot say now it's just it's just football, because now it's. You know, the organizations are getting bigger, getting more sponsors, getting more TV rights, getting more money in the game. And, it's, you know, you need big money, you need big uh, players to, to make these kind of deals work. And me, I think, you know, some of the amounts are kind of ridiculous. But, you know, as I said, yeah, everything in the, in the sports now is changing, you know, 
business-wise is growing, so everything else around it grows also. So, you know, I cannot say much about it, but I would just, I would just, you know, be be in it and just and just uh, enjoy my moment. And what are some of your standout favourite moments? from the national team you've been involved with some great games you played in two world cups are there some things that stand out for you um i would say yeah the first uh first of all being part of the world cup squad the first world cup that i went that was just amazing feeling you know being part of the team was even something great for me and even being part of the starting lineup was even greater so going out there doing what i love in front of you know, thousands of people rep- representing my country. You know, there's there's a whole lot of great players in in, in the country, and you know, I was just you know honored to be part of the team. That being said, you know, being part of the starting lineup, it was just amazing. So, I would say, you know, being part of the team and being able to play uh, some great games, you know, it's it's just amazing. And off the pitch, Jonathan, you're very open about your faith in Jesus. Why is that so important to you? Um, it, it is really, really important to me because um, I am for Christ first before I am a footballer. So uh, now that I'm a footballer, I have to, I still have to do what I used to do before. That is still believing in Christ doing what Christ uh, wants us to do, doing His will, doing uh, the right things. And, you know, I cannot, I cannot do anything without Him because, you know, he's, he's made me who I am now. He knew what I was going to be before I was even born. So, you know, I cannot do anything without Him. And that is, that is how I was brought up and that is how I'm going to grow up until the end of time. Yeah, on some of your social media, you've written, I live for him, I play for him. Do you write that because you want people to read it and to know that that's what you're all about? No, I don't, I don't, I don't just want people to just say, oh, uh, Jonathan is, is always writing about Christ and then he's not doing what Christ insists of him. So I just, I just want to create the awareness that no matter what it is, whether I play, I win, I lose, I draw, I do all that to His glory. So if I go out there, I'm just representing Christ before my team, myself, my family and all that. So I live for Him, I play for Him, and I do all things to His glory. So let's say after game, I'm living my life normal, I'm still living for Christ. If I play on the field, I play for Him. Whether I lose, I draw, or I win. It's all to his glory. I wouldn't say we lost today, so, oh, God, where were you? No. I know he was there for me. I know he's always there for me, and I know he's always going to be there for me, but myself, my team, I think we, you know, we fell short somewhere. That is why we couldn't win the game. So, I would still say thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus, for keeping me safe, for keeping the fans safe, keeping all my team safe. His love is so strong, He's always there for us, no matter what we go through. So, so I'm just cr- trying to set an example for other people. For you know, it's it's not about me telling you, but it's about you testing it. Because if you go to Christ, you you see that feeling in it that no one can explain to you. Because I can see whatever in the world, whatever that I can say in the world to you, but it's up to you to believe in your heart 
have faith and you see the power of, of Christ in you. So how has knowing Jesus changed your life and the way that you live? It is, it is, because um, I, I knew I knew his name before, but I didn't really know who he was to me. I didn't know he was my best friend before. I didn't know he was, you know, my my savior, my he's my everything. So since I got to really know who he, he is, I kind of like want to do everything to, to his glory because if I'm not playing football, I'll still be serving him. I'll still be his son. So it means a lot to me. Now that I've found him, I think it's, it, it means everything to me because all we're doing now is going to just go by. It's just going to pass with time. But he's always going to be there. So if you were him, you're always going to have eternal life. Well, that's Ghana defender Jonathan Mensah speaking to Liam Flint. And that's it for the show for this week and indeed for this year. So from me, Steve Vickers in Harare and from the whole of the team, wishing you all the best for 2018. Looking forward to lots of football action. The CHAN, the African Nations Championship, starts in January in Morocco and the FIFA World Cup in Russia in June. Thanks so much for your support for the show in 2017. We're back next week and Planet Sport Football Africa is a passion for sport production.